Mark chapter 9, from verse 14 to 29. I won't say all that is in this passage, but I will trust God to pull out some points that will be helpful for all of us today. And when they came to the disciples, Mark 9, verse 14, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. <clears throat> and he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask, okay, so sorry for uh, Eliezer is, uh, Plan to change something. Verse 18. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he, and he forms and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. <clears throat> and he answered them, this is Jesus answering them, oh, faithless generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse. So the most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up as he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything 
but prayer. Now, if you are holding ESV, there is um, there is there is something on top of it. Is it number two? Is it two? In your there's a small two on top of the, the is it right right hand there? Eh? Now, if you go, there, that is the, to take to the footnotes. The footnote says some manuscript add and fasting. So if you hold uh, a translation that add fasting, raise your hand. Okay, good. So the uh, King James and some translation said this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. So for the sake of uh, our consideration today, put the fasting back there, okay? Put the fasting back there. I, I agree with the manuscript that KJV was translated for, at least particularly for this particular uh, one. I'm not picking and choosing. That's what I, I think. I think the fasting should be there. Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning because of your unfailing love. Thank you for this great and awesome opportunity to come before you this morning to listen and to have you speak to us. Speak to us, Father. We are ready. Bring relief to us. Circumcise our hearts. Let there be great encouragement in this house today. Let there be great empowerment at the instance of your word. Speak through me and use me as um, as an instrument to communicate the truth of your word to your people. Help us and help me not to do violence to the authenticity and validity of your word. Help me to speak as I ought. In Jesus' name, amen. Please return to your seat. The subject that I want to bring to your consideration this morning is why could we not cast it out? Why could we not cast it out? So this place is cold. I'm, I, I was feeling cold while I was sitting down there. Are we fine with the temperature of this, this one? Yes, yeah, fine. Yeah? You don't care about those who are behind. The story that I've read from the book of Mark in your hearing appears in all the synoptic gospels. Synoptics, that is similar. Synoptic gospels refers to Matthew, Mark, Luke. Am I right? Synoptic, S-Y-N-O. P-T-I-C, synoptic. What that means is that the materials, the content of Mark, Luke, and Matthew, to a large extent, look quite similar. That's why they call them synoptic gospel. Theology 101, okay? So this, this story that I've heard, that I've read in your hearing, is in Matthew chapter 17, from verse 1 to 13. And it can also be found in Luke chapter 9, 
verse 28 to 36. I put that forward because in uh, preaching this morning, I may be harvesting some information that were not supplied here from the other Gospels. Chapter 9 of Mark is in the context of Jesus' transfiguration. He went to the mountain and he was transfigured. The word transfiguration has to do with the manner wherewith he went to the mountain was changed. If like Brodeji uh, went up to the mountain and a transfiguration happened to him, even though he's chocolately dark, there are tendency that he can begin to look purely white. And then even the clothing on his body, everything were dazzling. Now, if you read Matthew and Mark alone, it suggests as if Jesus took James, John, and Peter to the mountain for the purpose of transfiguration. It was Luke that supplied us with the information that he, he went to the mountain to pray. So the transfiguration happened in the context of praying. It was while he was praying that he became transfigured. We're told that Moses and Elijah came to him and they were discussing, that is um, Luke also supplying that, the, what, what they were talking about. They were having uh, a conversation about his departure. He's wrapping up his mission on earth and heavens were waiting for, it's like they came to prepare him. I said, okay, guy, uh, you know, let, just, just, how many of you have watched this movie called Coming to America? I mean, if you are within my age, you have watched it. You know, coming to America, you know, you see, like, like the way uh, Akim and his friend went missing in America, and then they have to send people to go and say, to prepare them for everything. So it's like Elijah and Moses coming down to, to prepare him for, for his death and the departure. A little bit of digression. Why is it necessary? You recall that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. In his flesh, in his humanity, Hebrews tells us that he always pray that he might be delivered. He also pray in Gethsemane that he may go through the cup of the wrath of God that God was going to give him for the salvation of many. So the resurrection... It's not something that Christ put his hand in his pocket. It's okay, I'll be, I'll be raised anyway. I'll be raised anyway. I'll, no, he prayed. And heaven responded to his prayer. Responded to his prayer, assuring him, first of all, by the coming of Moses and Elijah, that the departure, uh, the tickets and the, the private jet that will take him back home is, is, has, been, has been cleared. That he will go through the suffering and win. 
And remember, after this incident, he also were in Gethsemane. I was praying, oh my God, this cup is too much for me. If there is any other way, permit it. If not, let your will be done. And the Bible said the angels came from heaven strengthening him, assuring him that God will not fail him. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. That is the Psalms concerning him. There's a prophecy around him that he will not see corruption and his bones will not be broken. It is in the context of prayer that these things happen. So I think, I think they spent like two or three days there and Peter wants them to remain there permanently. He, he doesn't care about the remaining uh, nine. He says, okay, let's build the house. My, one for me, one for James, one for, no, one's for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and by implication for, for us. So there'll be six people on the mountain there. Hmm? Luckily, Bible say he was saying this because he, he doesn't know what to say actually. Just like one of the rubbish that just took out of his mouth. Yeah, he doesn't know what to say. He was bamboozled by the whole transfiguration. So as they were coming down, they met some crowd waiting for them. And there were commotion. And this crowd comprised of a man with his boy, terribly sick, having epilepsy. And the, the crowd comprised of the crowd. There are some crowd of human beings that are always mushroom around Jesus' ministry. And then it also comprised of the scribes and the disciples. Four categories of persons that you'll be looking at today. So when Jesus came down from the mountain, he met this crowd of, of people in, in commotion, argument, and counter-argument, and uh, he came to them. And that reminds me, sorry for my many digression, reminds me of Moses. When Moses went to the mountain of God, Sinai, to receive the commandment for the people, he came down, he also met some crowd of commotion, some, some commotion at the base of the mountain, and he met unbelief. Unbelief, unimaginable unbelief in the golden calf. And you can, you can actually connect that scene to this scene of the Messiah coming down from the mountain and he's meeting unbelief, circumferencing around this boy with unclean spirits. Of course, Moses responded differently by breaking the commandments, but Jesus solved the problem at hand. So the, the, the key idea that I want you to leave here with today is for the rest of your life as a Christian, you must fight what Paul called the good fight of faith. Unbelief is anti-Christian life. All that Satan will do to us as community of believers is to put down seed of unbelief so that we can have form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. So I'm attacking unbelief this morning. 
And I pray that at the end of the preaching, you may walk out through this door, faith swelling up in your being. Israel, as a covenant people of God, I mean, if you talk of unbelief, the second name to Israel is unbelief. There's no nation on earth that have seen raw miracles from Egypt to Canaan. Red Sea parting, manna falling down, and so on and so forth. But they will not believe. They will not believe. The, the, at this point, Israel has come to the zenith of, his, of, of her unbelief. Unimaginable unbelief that even God in the flesh, with all the miracles that he's doing, that they will not believe him. They will not believe him. And unbelief can be seen in four ways, trying to look through the lens of the four groups that constitute this crowd. The first person, the first character that I want us to reflect is the man. Unbelief reflects as, as it reflects in the man that brought the boy. Look at verse 17. This man raises his voice and said, uh, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. So the man has done right diagnosis that this man, this boy of his, is not suffering from normal, normal epilepsy, that there's a demonic aspect of this. For these demons, when they come upon this boy, they will throw him into fire and they'll throw him into water to destroy him. So we see in this man, so this man did the right thing by bringing this boy to Jesus. It, it is to Jesus he brought him primarily. Church, are you with me? Eh? It will get warm soon. Eh? It was to Jesus he brought this boy primarily. But what happened was that he came to Jesus and unfortunately Jesus was not in town. And then Characteristically of Israel, there is a plan B. Oh, thank God. Oh, your voice is not wrong. I mean, you, too, you, you can help, okay? And then he dragged the disciples into Jesus' business. And then and the disciples um, began to do trial and uh, error. They began to practice exorcism. I don't have time to explain to you the difference between deliverance and exorcism. 98% of what you see around as deliver ministry are exorcists. And uh, if you want to understand, ask Felix, he will give you the whole details about, uh, about what's the difference between exorcism and deliverance. Just forget about that for the moment. Bring your mind down. So this, this, this man brought this boy to Jesus, and Jesus traveled. And he assumed that the disciples could do the business of Jesus. And, and this is common with Israelis at this point in their history. They have God and they have Baal. They have Ashtoreth and they have Molech. They have the God of the Sidonians and all the gods around them. The idea is that, well, if Jehovah fails at any point, there could be 
a substitute that can come into the rescue. So it was not a difficulty for him to switch from Jesus to the disciples. And that is unbelief. And there are stories in the Old Testament that will have informed informed us that what Jesus alone can do, he alone can do. You don't substitute Jesus with his disciples and not with pastors either. It's not that when you come to me, if you come to Jesus and he's not around, then Pastor Peter, you'll be with him for some time. Now, okay, I mean, I mean, if you're, I mean, I feel that I grew up in the village can, can attest to this. If your father is a, a witch doctor, it is normal for children that grow up in a witch doctor's house at least to know some prescriptions of, of, of some medic medicines, some herbs. Hmm? Yes. If I, at one point, if, if I wasn't going to be a pastor, I would have been a herbalist because. I grew up with those characters. So I know if you cut the goyaro and add this and add a is it lemon? I'm losing my herbalist skill now, yeah? It's not like that. What only Jesus can do. The disciples will not be able to handle. Okay, that's the first idea. Unbelief is seen in this man because he thinks. I mean, he will have waited. In the Old Testament, remember in 2 Kings chapter 4, I think, there was a man, the woman of Shunem, that lost his son, the only son that came through the work of Elisha, the prophet. And he placed the boy on Elisha's bed and went to look for Elisha. He met Elisha and grabbed Elisha violently. And he spoke to Elisha about the circumstances. And Elisha tell Gehazi, Gehazi of all disciples. Say, take my rod and run, 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 run. Go and lead my rod on the boy, and the boy will recover. And Gehazi went, ran ahead of them. But the woman said, Oga, I didn't come for Gehazi. I came for you. And guess what? Gehazi went, laid the rod, and did all the skills in the book. Nothing happened. Until Elisha himself came. And the boy recovered. Unbelief is seen when we think that there are options. When in our work with God, we, we see options. And this man points to that direction. If I were him, I waited for. Okay, God, when we come, when is he going to come back? I'll wait for him. If it takes 10 years for him to come back, will wait for him. There's no try and error with, with, what, with God's power. You have the power or you don't have the power. You can do it or you can't do it. Amen. The second thing I want us to consider is the crowd. You know, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, and the crowd were in verse 14, in verse 17, and, and, and verse 25, and on and on. Look at the ministry of Jesus. Eh? They are this crowd that always appear from nowhere. They just see entertainment around Jesus. So when they saw this man with his boy and the disciple trying to say, come out, come out, and the crowd gather. Eh? I'm sure maybe they are with their smartphone. Eh? I'll be the first to post, come out. And then there was, there was 
the crowd gathered. And this crowd there are Jewish people. At this point, Christ is like a cyclist to them. They never believed him, but anywhere he goes, they follow him. Huh? Huh? Oh, no. He did that. That was their business. Sometimes I wonder if they had a job, if they have anything doing, they have fun to go. They were always around Jesus and disciples. So when Christ came down, he made those crowd who were just onlookers. They have no answer to the problem, even though they are covenant people of God and live within the covenant community, they have no answer to the question that this boy poses before them. And they were not praying. They were just spectators. Eh, they no feet. Hmm, their feet. Oh, water shall never end. Oh, I mean, I mean, they are like Nigerians. They are Nigerians. You know, recently there is a story that the commander and she went to Cardinal recently and a presenter was, comment, was making a commentary. He said, the crowd we saw in Kao, Kaduna, that if you throw sand in the air, the sand will not touch the ground. What that means is that between one person and the next person, there's no space. How many of you saw the crowd? I mean, you don't watch serious TV. You watch, uh, what do you watch now? Skits. Skits. Mommy Gio skits. Some of you, if I ask Mommy Gio, you know everything about Mommy Gio skits. You know all the comedy, comedy skits, eh? And that, that is the kind of crowd. And, and this, if, if Jonathan goes to Cardinal tomorrow and he wants, you want that crowd to come and greet him, you'll find it. Uh, we Nigerians, we are good with crowd. We can, there are some, some are bots. But somehow business, if you want to, if I want crowd now, I can just pay someone and then they organize for me. Crowd. Crowd of unbelievers. Crowd, crowd of unbelieving Jews. They were not praying. They were watching when Christ came down from the mountain. The third category of people were the scribes. These scribes were experts. The law. My, my tribal Bible, my language Bible, the name, I mean, the, the translation was quite deep compared to the scribes in your head means secretary. Is that? Secretary, huh? Um, male. Is that? In house of Male, Scribe, write, writers, eh? But the scribes are, are much more than, these scribes in the New Testament are much more than secretary or maybe jotting things down. They are scribes of the Bible. They are the writers. Like if you, if you need a Bible before, in those days, you pay them. There's no printing press. So they will use their hand. This is the whole Old Testament. They will use their hand to copy it. So because of their regular enterprise, they have the entire Old Testament memorized in their head. So in my language Bible, they call them Amamolio Loda. What that means is that they know every details of the Bible. That if we flip it before their eyes, they could tell whether it's Jeremiah or Ezekiel. They know, they have a 4D apprehension of the scriptures. Describe. But anytime you see them appearing in the ministry of Jesus, they are the ones that will pick holes at everything, arguing. 
So they were in argument with the disciples over this boy. They had no answer, but they had arguments. They were arguing the disciples over this boy. They were arguing. They know too much. They even know that this is, this is demonic. They could even describe the types of demons that is in the operation. You know, there, are some, there are some false Christianity around that could even tell categories of demons. They say, this is Asmodee. This is a base proof. You know, they say, speak out. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from, I'm from Badagri. I'm from, uh, I'm from uh, this thing they used to call in those days. I'm from, I'm from, you know, Lagos people, they have those things. I'm from that place, I'm from this place. It's okay, talk. What have you done to him, you know? They, they can discern the type of demonic activities in this man, in this boy, but they had no answer. Argument. How oh, is it proper for the devil to be cast out? And then what does Professor Hillel say about it? And then his argument back and forth. When Christ came down from the mountain, he made arguments. They were not praying. They were not waiting for him. He made arguments. Church, are you following me today? The four categories of people in this story are... There's a story here. Just by way of trying to add to it. See, there's a point a church will come. The idea of vitality is in the spirit takes the sec- back seat. And then arguments take the front seat. Eh? We, we read too much, we learn too much, and then we become a bunch of uh, argumentators. Eh? Is, the, is the street black? White? I, I remember the, the former church I, I pastored, where my dad pastored also. There was a time, of course, some, most, of the evangel- some, most of the legacy churches, evangelical churches that were inherited from the white men actually moved to this kind of characters. And they were having a whole night of what they call the GCC, the General Church Council of big men, learned people, you know, all those people with a uh, pot belly, with collar. They have four masters, degrees to their name. And in the law of the church, the general overseer ought to stay in the office for five years' term. And it's not renewable. So the phrase is this, he shall Occupy the seat of the general overseer for five years' term only. At this, some few years ago, uh, there was a popular general overseer that wanted to elongate his tenure. It's also it's, it's in the church. Eh? It's not only in the politics. He wants to elongate his tenure, and he has lobbied behind the scene. And they promised him, when we get there, we will do some abracadabra. And they came to the meeting, and they, I must say, I move a motion. That this man of God should continue in office. He has done credibly well. Credibly well. Sorry for my tongue. He has done so well. Under him, we have seen the power of God. (laughs) But they want him to stay. And then one man said, but there is a word saying five-year term only. Well, they say, no, as Christians, only could mean theologically and etymologically. Only could mean something, you know, and then they began to bring comment. I mean, the, the, the law said he shall occupy the office for five year terms only. Hmm? 
For you now, is it not clear? Ah, 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 ah. But for those who want to do a somersault, they say, what, what, what is the theological significance of only? And I'm not lying to you. From 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. the following morning, there was a debate about what only really means. If only really means only. And they have to drive to the city to grab Oxford Dictionary to really look at. I mean, do you need, do you need dictionary to know what only is? When the church descends so low, that's the kind of thing you, there will be no, there will be no prayer, they have eaten, they have taken their traveling allowances, you see pastors in fine hotels, and then, then they are now saying, mm, it's only, it's only, only, <laughs> I don't know how to say Arguments, no power. Argument without action is useless. They have no answer to this little boy and the little demons. If I want to quote Eliezer, this small demon and small boy, they had no answer. All they had, argument. They had the crowd. They had the diagnosis of the father of the boy. They had the argument of the scribes, but no power. And then we come to the disciples. You see, sleeping disciples. Remember uh, Donald Trump used to call Joe Biden, sleeping Joe. You know, sleeping Joe. He's in his bunker and he's sleeping. The disciples were known for sleeping. If you look at the Luke, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, the account of Luke, when Jesus went to the mountain where he transfigured, the Bible says, as, okay, many of you want to check, so Pastor Abutu is not lying, eh? Luke chapter 9. So you are cross-checking me, eh? Is it in Luke chapter 9? Yes? There's what? 32. Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. <laughs> So their master went to the mount as he was praying. Pray to the extent that heaven descended on him. All they could do is what? Sleep. This thing happened again in Gethsemane. That the guy was praying that the sweat of his, of his body was like a drop of blood. They were doing what? They were sleeping. But I don't know what the remaining ones. If, I mean, if those who were on the mountain were sleeping, I bet those who were on the ground. Uh, that's just my own inference. I'm sure maybe they were just sleeping. Just like okay. the Lord went to the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Okay. The favorite, eh? And then they're just having their time. Boom. The man came upon them. There was a demon. And I was so amazed at their attempt to cast out the devil when they know they have no capacity to do it. Maybe I like Nigerians. You know, uh, I, I, used to, I used to learn from some funny, funny seminaries that if you want to, how to cast, there are some courses on how to cast out the devil. There are some courses on how to speak in tongues. There are some courses on how to do all these things. So how do you cast out the devil? Felix, there's a devil. Why am I talking? Why are you so? You, 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 you start singing. Eliza will start playing instrument. Come back here, my Lord. Come back here. And then he's playing instrument. And then some of the guys, the prayer warriors, 
that the devil possessed persons looking at you with one eye like this. And then you say, tonight, tonight, no power. I mean, if you can cast out devil, you cast out devil, isn't it? Hmm? See, let, let's, <laughs> I remember the last conference I attended in my former church, it's a national conference. And the geo stood on the pool, we say, I know some of you don't believe in miracles again. I know he was talking. <laughs> then I was already a, a little section of rebels. Eh? He said, I know some of you don't believe in miracles today. But we are going to demonstrate today that there is still a miracle. So there was a boy that could not walk that came to that conference, a small boy. He said, bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy to him. He took 15 minutes to educate us. Why miracle is still available today? I mean, Oga, the boy is already in your hand. He did, 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 did 30 minutes. He said, I want all the ordained pastors to surround me. <laughs> uh, then all the ordained pastors stood up. They said, no, 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 no. All the reverence, all the reverence, all the reverence. So there's all the other pastors sat down. Then the reverend now surrounded him. The duo, the, I was just picking my teeth. I know I was the unbeliever that they were talking about. I knew nothing would happen. At the end, they say, you know, miracle, it, it, it has started. <laughs> what God, has, God will perfect it, you know. Sometimes he, he starts gradually, gradually. I'm not sure I've been that kind of, he says, by the time you get to, into me. I say, look at you guys. They attempted to cast out the devil. They could not. I'm sure, I, I, I could. Well, Thomas was just there, the doubter. Come out! The boy was Come out! Come out! And the scribe will say, You see, Una? <laughs> you see, Una? This Una, Jesus, is not fake. That was a drama that Christ made on ground. And Christ attributed the entire failure on one thing. What is that in unbelief? Unbelief. And because those guys were beaten. Black and blue. I mean, how many of you have not been there? How many of you have tried to cast out devil before? I don't want to talk too much. I have been there. Eh? You are put it to Brodalit. <laughs> yeah, you there. I remember in Kano, we began with one girl after service. The girl scattered us. We pin her down. Nothing. So I said, sorry, I'm the youth president. I want to go and prepare for evenings. I just sneak out. <laughs> By 4 p.m., they were still there with the girl. Yeah. What were we doing? This? What, what, were we? <laughs> what is it that we are doing in those days? Let me just ask. Just assuming that we, we can do. And Jesus came down and bam. Like this. So come out. And they all came out. And the boy was fine. And the disciples came into the room, locked the door, make sure all the scribes are now, all the Emmanuel are now gone. I said, Sir, what happened? Why is this so easy for you? And we could not do it. And he answered them, This kind cannot happen except prayer and fasting. 
And in my private study, what Jesus is saying is, he's not even saying there are categories of things that this kind, there are some things you can do without prayer. That's not what he's, he's not even saying that some, for a Christian, there are some things you should be doing that prayer is not uh, like food. Minus Jesus, uh, uh, what Christ is saying is it? The life I have called you into, no prayer, no power. No prayer, no power. So he said, there's only one answer to unbelief. Prayer. And more prayer. And more prayer. And more prayer. And, and that the transfiguration happened in the context of prayer should instruct you. That assuming Christ was not on the mountain praying at that moment, I don't think the transfiguration would have happened on the streets of Jerusalem. But the question you are going to ask me, the pastor, how much prayer and how much fasting is needed to deal with the heart situation? Well, the Bible talks about praying always, isn't it? You say men ought to pray how many times? How many times, church? Always. I'm praying. As a Christian, prayer is your lifestyle. Matthew 6 tells us when you pray, when you fast. It's not if, it's when. It's your lifestyle. It's something you do. It's your nature. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is communicating with God. You can't do anything outside the means of prayer. And then the second question, ah, but God is sovereign. Ultimately, God is going to do whatever he wants to do, whether I pray or I don't pray. Mm -mm, that is false Christianity. God is sovereign. Man is responsible. The God that ordained the ends also ordains the means. Prayer is the means to an ordained end. God is sovereign. Man is responsible. Number three, your question is, does prayer change God? Does our prayer change God? No, God is immutable. God cannot change. Our prayer does not inform God any information. God is, oh, oh, I didn't know. No, nothing informs God. God is perfect. But prayer Changes things here below. That if we don't pray, things will go wrong. So he said, pray so we don't enter into temptation. So if they don't pray, they enter. I'll give you an example of disciples. This idea of prayer continues to be an issue. They won't pray. They won't pray. Okay. He came and said, pray. Pray. He said, Peter, you can't even wait for me for one hour. He came again, they were sick, sleep. He now took a sleep. And grim. There was an arrest. What happened to the disciples? What happened to them? Hey, Peter carry a knife. This is say, you know, God forbid, I never know. All those denial happened because no prayer. There was no preparation. Prayer changes things. It changes us. 
It puts us in a disposition where we know the mind of God. It puts us in a healthy disposition with our Father in heaven. Prayer reveals our utter helplessness and dependence on God. Prayerless people are proud people. We are saying we can do it. We have our own things squared out. We know how to save money. We know how to do this. We know how to do that. So we don't need God. If our God learned, if our, the entire Europe and America came to this, the point they are today because of this. At one point, there was great debate, greater debate around the, the validity of the presence of evil on earth. If God is powerful, how come there is evil on earth? And then people start talking, 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 talking. Church become a talking, talking. Theological seminar, they become talking, 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 talking. Volumes of books produced on, the, on whether God exists or God does not exist. Then theological propositions are formulated. And then as they began, as, as, as they began to find breakthrough in sciences, in medical sciences, it became so obvious that, oh, we have found a new Messiah. Medical science now is a new Messiah. So we don't believe God anymore. And then look at where they are today. Prayerlessness shows that we don't trust God. So it matters that as a church, we bring ourselves, apart from our private prayers, we bring ourselves up together to pray corporately and to fast and to seek the face of God. Not to um, twist God to do what he had never planned to do, but to align ourselves with his mind and direction for our lives as Christians. And what marked out a church is the, the quality of prayer that goes us in that church. Talk, 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 talk. Pray if a church become a talk. Talk cheap. Paul says to the college, he says, when I came to you, I did not come to you with lofty wisdom and good speech. He said, I came to you in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the demonstration of power. And as some of you now who are, your mind is boiling now, pastor is releasing us to go and cast out. That's not what I'm saying. When, when, the, the word power should Direct your brain to entire Christian living. Power over sin. Power over, over worldliness. The worldliness around you. Power for holiness. Power to desire good things and godly things. To live for the glory of God. You know, Mark chapter 11 verse 17. Jesus speaking to the people, he said, my house shall be called the house of what? Prayer. The early church, Acts chapter 6 verse 4, Acts chapter 2 verse 42, they devote themselves daily to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and to the teachings of the apostles. Prayerlessness is unbelief. As, and you can take your senses around the world. There are two things that Satan attacks in the, in the congregation. Prayer and Bible study. Whether it's in equa or cooking, wherever you go. 
anywhere the pastor is so serious about Bible teaching, when there's a class, so when there's a class, so you will not see people. There are some churches I've been. They even put a law on Wednesday that if you don't come for Wednesday class, you will not eat Holy Communion on Sunday. People will still not come. Prayer meeting, ah, people will not come. They only go to a place where they will be telling them stories. Like there's somebody here. I can see five coffins. <laughs> and then where they, they sing. I mean, if you've been to a, a vigil before where from when they are doing praise and worship, the whole place is on fire. And then they say, let us pray. <laughs> Everybody blow your trumpet. Now, this prayer time now. It is a demonstration that we trust God. We are so helpless. So helpless. Helpless. See, Satan is not on holidays. Look at what he did to this. From childhood. From childhood. From childhood. To destroy. And every single one of us where this, the story of this boy fits in. All of us. Before we became saved, who were our master? Satan, he will push us into fire, from fire to water, from pillar to post, until Christ came to rescue us from his hand. He sustained victorious Christian living, a place of prayer. Prayer, Prayerlessness is unbelief in action. Look, I turn to Luke chapter 11 as I close today. Because Luke gave orderly accounts of Jesus' ministry, so we can rely more on. Do you notice that it was after this event in chapter 9 that Jesus actually commissioned them in chapter 10 to go out uh, to cast out devils? And then by chapter 11, the disciples came to him and said, Oga, do what? Teach us how to pray. And then he taught them how to pray. And he said, and he gave them this prayer, he said, pray like this. And he added in verse 5 of chapter 11 of Luke, how they should pray. He said, how many of you will have a friend and go to him? in the night and say, give me something. And the friend will not give him. And then you keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking. He said, the friend will stand up and give him. Not because he's his friend, but because the, the friend continue to knock. Prayer means, it's not that, okay, oh, we have five days of prayer and fasting. Church, be with me in prayer. When you go to say, be with me, in I need grace. And then after five days, they say, oh, goodness me. And then you are back to your food. This is not a weight loss plan. We are not arranging for you to lose weight. This is not a weight loss plan for you. It is to knock again and to knock again and to pray again and to pray again. And after this week is over, you pray again and then you pray again and then you fast again. That is your life. You don't pray, you don't know God. Having the form of godliness. No power. 
small university girl is enough to bring down a lecturer who is a CRS teacher. Just small girl, 100 level. A man that cannot withstand 100 level students want to be a pastor. Where is the power? It is to this I invite you. And as I close today, few, give me five more minutes. Jesus alone, that is one of the things I wanted to go home with. We should not be like this man. See, pastors are not substitute for Jesus. Elisha Hoffman wrote a song, said, I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear this burden alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. When you come to the point of prayer, you are talking to Christ alone. And where is the fault of Catholic Church that believe that if Christ is busy, Mary can help. If you knock on the door of Jesus and he's taking a nap, talk to St. Ignatius, talk to St. Uh, Bulus, and then Bulus will talk to St. Uh, whatever, and then they talk to Mary, and may say, oh God, answer them. It doesn't work like that. All our prayers goes to one source and one person. His name is Jesus. For there is no mediator between God and man. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Your pastor, your prophet are no substitutes to Jesus. I hope you've come to Jesus today. And it is to him we must return again and again and again. Only him can help and him alone. Number two, Christ is not a circus. Christ is not an entertainment. Stop being the crowd of, of, of anywhere there is a new church opening. You want to go and check. You are only checking, checking, checking. And many of you enjoy comedy that have Jesus as the as object, isn't it? Oh, Jesus. If you hear this word now, Jesus, you know what they are talking about. We should be ashamed of ourselves. You are not here to enjoy comedy. You are here to pray, to follow Christ. And finally, action, not argument. Some of you that love argument on Facebook, this is for you. You should be ashamed of yourself. If all you know how to do as a believer is to read Bible to go and argue with Sapphire Kelly about uh, about uh, should a woman wear trouser not to wear trouser to church will you go to hell if you eat jollof uh, rice with coconut will you go to heaven if and then oh oh no 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 and then we go out, we invite people to our church, not to Christ, to church, to our church, to our church. And then our bank account as a church, we meet in the meeting. But the grace of God, the closing bank statement shows that this community of believers have 20 million. Ooh! We have secondary school, we have university, we have hospitals. Then we think we are doing well. And then we sit on church board meetings and we argue, we argue, we argue, we argue, but there is no power of God among us. Power over sin. 
power to say no to the motions of the flesh. So that Satan walked through the door, he would know that God's people are here. How come Satan is so comfortable, comfortable among God's people? And I have been to churches where a sister just walked through a door and in six months he has slept with almost all the brothers in the church. He said, he knows all of them already. He knows all the sizes. How come? No discernment. No discernment. No discernment. And before long, a thief is a treasurer of the church. And before long, brothers are sleeping with sisters. Sisters are sleeping with brothers. Everything is upside down. And before long, the church becomes a club. And before long, God packed his bag, closed the candle, and out of the church. May we not get there in our own lives. May we not get there as a church. Why can't we cast it out? It's obvious. No prayer. No prayer. Our Father, we thank you this morning. Grant as we come to the table that we may seek your face around it and that you may endow us and endure us from above with power. In Jesus' name, amen.